You're listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Here are your hosts, Fran Chismar and Tom Knezic. Welcome back to The Buzz, brought to you by the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. I am Fran Chismar. And I'm Tom Knezic, and today we are buzzing into our little native plant freak show, like usual. <laughs> <laughs> it's episode 69 of The uh, of the Buzz, and um, I'm really excited. I think we have a good topic today. We, it's a very timely topic, which uh, we always try and do. We try and do things in a timely fashion so we do i think it's it's perfect timing for this topic and we and we do have a little bit of celebration cause for celebration yeah, yeah we so, definitely do so we hit a little milestone so mm. uh we have encountered our uh 50,000th 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 yes is that that's hard to say well maybe if you're you if, if you're saying all right 50,000th <laughs> All right, how about this? Not Our listens hard. just hit 50,000. 50, <laughs> How's that? That's better. I don't have to pluralize it or make it possessive. So we, we hit 50,000 listens or downloads yeah. so that's a that's a big accomplishment yeah for us. yeah we've mentioned a ton of times we thought it was just gonna be our family and friends that kind of pity listened because we begged <laughs> yeah. them to and uh that we've had fifty thousand total listens is, is a huge milestone and uh another milestone that we hit or at least a personal milestone for me is i always wanted to be the guest on another podcast and we got that opportunity we both did uh, this week and so. actually i i just wrote on your coattails because i wasn't initially invited <laughs> but you invited me along so i i appreciate that so but yeah we we got to be guests on another podcast and it's another uh native planner ecology mm-hmm. based uh podcast mm-hmm. which is backyard ecology and a lot of our listeners are already fans oh, of yeah. that and have brought up shannon before to us as far as the podcast mm-hmm. and we're we're fans as well yeah. um and it's uh it's it was a unique discussion because we're talking about so much of the same thing. We share a lot of the same native plants and same issues, but then there's so many differences at the same time. Us being on the East Coast and her being, I, is that Southeast or Midwest? Uh, we, uh, so well, someone from Kentucky is going to have to chime in and, <laughs> and let us know. I think it, it is uh, is more considered Southeast. Southeast. But it's right on the border. But it is so. a different time zone. Yes, well, that, the line goes right through, yeah. and that's one of the things we actually talked about briefly was um, was the seed industry, and uh, so my good friends are from Roundstone Seed in Kentucky, and uh, and one of their employees in particular, he lives in Eastern Time and he works in Central Time, so he's like, I lose an hour, gain an hour every day, <laughs> each way I go. So, but it, it, I agree, it was an interesting conversation because we don't get to talk shop that often with our peers as far mm-hmm. as podcasting goes so to be able to discuss our not strategy but our uh layout or approach, or approach yeah. and and hear shannon's approach and just kind of get mm-hmm. to talk about that since we're we're trying to accomplish yeah. the same thing it, it was kind of nice to have that conversation i kind of feel like like maybe we took over a little bit and talked for yeah. a really long time. <laughs> that might be the the fewest questions she ever had to ask. <laughs> one way to put it. But it really was an awesome conversation. It we, went we talked in for two so hours. many different directions than I was expecting. Um, we had a lot of talks about like philosophy and invasiveness and 
I think we delved into cultivars just slightly, yeah. and we brought it back. That was one that we kind of hooked back in real, yeah. real quick. We we were all over the place, but it was a great conversation. I don't think it was a even though we were all over the place, it wasn't scattered. No, um, we no, just kind of really well, went so. with the flow, and and we talked for a good two hours, and mm-hmm. it was a great conversation. So. I'm really looking forward to actually listening to that again. Yeah. Um, and it was weird not asking the questions. I kind of felt as if sometimes I started, Well, you still asked a lot of questions. I asked right? a lot of questions, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you kind of took over at points. But. I did, and I feel I feel bad. It's just it was weird being in the opposite. I have to I was trying to remind myself Although it wasn't like being we it wasn't like an interview it was a conversation. Mm-hmm. So we were handling yeah. it like a conversation. So yeah. um it was and it was a great conversation so I believe that is being published September 16th. Yes. And we'll share all the links for that. We're excited to uh share that and we're going to have Shannon on in a future episode mm-hmm. of Native Plants Healthy Planet. Oh, yeah. So we're going to uh repay that favor and and have her on so we can have a a conversation of our own too. Yeah. I feel like every all of her listeners got to hear all about us, so yeah. I would like to hear <laughs> yeah. all about all about uh, Shannon. So, yeah. but yeah, I'm really excited about it. So, all right, well, that's uh, we want to keep this one tight. We've been doing a good job. Well, sometimes we, we get a little been. off course, but we've been we've really dialed in, in the last couple of weeks. So let's get right into things and start with uh, by featuring our plants that we're vibing with this week. In that's hot. <laughs> I gotta get my level. That sounded a little loud to me. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> just everyone's not gonna be able to hear the rest of the thing. Their eardrums will be blown out. But that's... whoever goes first, they'll just hear the second plant. They won't hear the first one. Why don't I go first every week? All right. Why don't you go first this week? So this is uh, up until uh, an email I got yesterday. I thought this was a very uncontroversial um, pick that I picked, but then. The more I thought, well, I got the email, and then the more I thought about it, I'm like, oh, maybe it's a little more controversial than I thought. Uh, but one of, I started doing these nursery walk videos where I kind of highlight some of the things that are going on in the nursery. The last one I did was on warm season grasses, and the first plant I had was uh, was Sorgastrum newtons, or Indian grass. And um, it's like a big, I don't want to call it burly, but it's a big warm season grass. It grows like six, seven feet tall, and uh, has these awesome, like, foot-long um seed heads on it that are just it was a little bit breezy in the video if you haven't seen the video go to our youtube channel you can check it out there i think it's on facebook and instagram and TikTok. It's, it's, it's on all of them yeah. so um but um it's all over the place but if you go to our youtube i know it's on there and uh and just it's a little breezy that day and like how the seed heads are just kind of blowing in the breeze and everything's standing really like tall and upright and you get a little bit of just like hangover over the the uh, path that we have in between seed blocks, but it's just such an amazing looking grass right now in the mid Atlantic. Uh, so, and even, uh, I saw an email from, from Hoffman nursery. It was a big grass grower down in North Carolina and they featured it this week as yeah. well because it just looks awesome right now. Cause there's like that gold, gold, copper, bronzish, like metallic shine to these seed heads. It's really impressive. Uh, it's a really, really durable plant too. Yeah. It's um it grows in so many different conditions. Its native range basically extends from the Rocky Mountains all the way to the East Coast and like north to Maine, south to to northern Florida. It's got a huge huge native range, but it's basically a tall prairie grass. Um but it can just take so many different conditions. It can take it uh all different soil types. It can take it wetter, it can take it drier, which makes it great for riparian zones where you might get some seasonal flooding. Um 
And then when I was on wildflower.org looking up this plant, one of the interesting things I saw is that it's one of the things we forget about with warm season grass a lot is how they are host plants to a lot of the um, either butterflies and, and skippers and moths and those kind of things as uh, as a food source for the larval stage. So that one, Sorgastrum newtons in particular, is the host plant for the pepper and salt skipper butterfly. And that's from wildflower.org. So there's, awesome. it just provides such great habitat. Now, this is the buyer beware message, is it can get a little bit aggressive. I don't yes. even want to say a little bit aggressive. It can get aggressive. Yes. Where I've seen it, it tends to, to play nice. I think in our area we have more issues with switchgrass than yes. Indian grass. But the I sent it out in our, our nursery email this past week, and I got a response saying, oh, yeah, I don't like Indian grass because <laughs> I planted it 15 years ago, and it's everywhere now, growing in, under trees in the shade. I can't get any perennials to grow. It's It was tricky for that person down in Virginia. So, yeah, it's uh, you do want to make sure you're putting it in the right place, and yeah. you are okay with it being aggressive when you do plant it. You don't yeah. want to say, oh, I'm going to plant one in this corner and <laughs> – that's the only place it'll ever be because yeah. that's probably not what's <laughs> going to happen. <laughs> so. I, I, I wonder if Doom can uh, weigh in on this, how yeah, Doom yeah. feels about Indian grass as far as prairies mm -hmm. go. I'd be interested yeah. on the opinion of that. But, no, it's a great plant. You know, if you want to be successful with a plant, that's that's definitely a plant mm -hmm. you're going to be successful with. Yeah. So um, that's a great choice, Tom. Great choice. And, uh, it's yeah, it just looks awesome right now. It's, it really uh, does. It's really, really impressive. really does. I know, I've noticed that a lot of – other nurseries on social media have been highlighting that plant as well. Mm -hmm. I just noticed uh, Hoffman Nurseries was actually yeah. highlighting. Yeah, that's that what I was yeah. saying earlier. Yeah. I just saw it the other day, and I'm like, oh crap, that's yeah. <laughs> I just took a video yeah. of that. Yeah, so it's you know, but it's one of those plants that right now is when it it, it looks great. So mm -hmm. you know, it makes total sense. Um, so my plant this week uh, for that's hot is Symphotrichum oblongifolium, which is aromatic aster. So. They did change the botanical name. Aster is now uh, Symphiotrichum, um, so it's a little bit harder to say. But uh, still, you know, that, this is a newer plant for us as far as production goes because it's a, it's an upland plant, mm -hmm. and we tend to focus more on, on wetland plants. But it is a little bit smaller at, at one to three foot tall. Uh, it has larger purple flowers than, than, say, what you're accustomed to with New England Aster or New York Aster, the flowers uh, larger. Um it is upland, so it likes it dry, and it can take the sun and partial shade. So, uh, and it's nice that it's not super tall at one to three foot. You're not really going to get like that major mm -hmm. flop. So, uh, and I was looking when I looked up the the indicator status, I looked it up on USDA.plants.gov, and I noticed I, I brought it up to you. They had a whole uh, makeover to the website. Yeah. So yeah. it's a little more user friendly, and it's the just the the graphics are updated so it's a little bit better of an experience so if you haven't been on usda.plants.gov mm -hmm. check it out because it's uh it was nice to see that it had a little bit of a, a makeover so i was happy to see that just yeah. to make it a little more i don't know it was a little happier i like the colors better oh yeah yeah it's definitely some i don't want to say it's blue so it's not it's like blue. a warmer color but it's a warmer blue than it used to be <laughs> i think that's the first upgrade in like maybe 15 years oh, yeah, as far as the overall graphic so it but it didn't they didn't completely change the feel of the site. Mm -hmm. It's still a site that you will remember how to navigate, but they did add some things and just kind of make it a little more user-friendly. Yeah. So I yeah. definitely Another great plant. For, for the longest time, even to this day, I have like a mental block where I always confuse 
Symphiotrichum oblongifolium with uh, Eurybia bevercata. Back yeah. from when they were both yeah. asters. asters, yeah. And I always just confused them, and I always thought the oblongifolium was white woodland aster, and then I just always mixed them up. In fact, I mixed them up so much that I planted a whole bunch of Eurybia de Vericata in, in you, my garden thinking it was this. And but I was like, then what? this doesn't look anything like what I was supposed to plant. But it actually turned out really no, well. Mentally, for some reason, yeah. I kept thinking aromatic aster was white. Mm-hmm. Like, so it, yeah. it's something I don't know why, but like mentally, I kept thinking that as mm-hmm. well. So it's, mm-hmm. but it's, it's a great aster. The ar- um, it's aromatic. It's not really the, the flower. I believe it's the, the, the leaves, the petals. When mm-hmm. you, when you crush them up, you get, um, a, a good scent from it. So, uh, you know, for something a little bit different, if you're looking for a smaller plant, a drier plant in your garden, uh, and something that's going to peak and bloom in the late summer, early fall, that's a great choice. Yeah, maybe I'm going to have to add some of that to my garden this year. I think because, you should uh, give you some late yeah. season. Well, you have late season. Right? I have some, but not enough. That was, um, and we'll, we'll actually talk about this a little bit later on, but that was my big thing when I planted my garden is I did not uh, time my seasons very well. Um, I kind of left out the spring and I left the, or earlier in the spring, I left out the fall and then slowly I've added more goldenrods, more asters yeah. to cover that fall point. But it's, this has been like the first year where I kind of had it smooth from Penstem and, Bac- and Baptisia and Coreopsis in the spring. And there was always something blooming. There was definitely valleys where not as much was blooming, but, um, going in the fall, I've transitioned basically from purple cone flower and heliopsis uh, helianthoides and um well monarch fishelose has been done bloom for a while but now i have the early goldenrod started to bloom then you have lobelia cardinalis is blooming um and it's going into those goldenrods and asters are just the asters in my garden because it's a little shady just starting to open up now you know speaking of helianthus um so agatha and i and and her son liam did a tubing trip this past weekend down the brandywine river uh, or Brandywine Creek, which is just mm-hmm. behind like Longwood Gardens. Like you, you turn right before you go to Longwood Gardens, it's back there in the rolling hills. And as we were going back there, um, I started to tell Agatha a story about a former coworker of mine had lived on the farm where Stargazer Point or Stargazer Rock was. Mm-hmm. And, and Stargazer Rock is where Mason and Dixon, who were also astrologists, astronomers, astrologists, astronomers. Astronomers. Uh, astro- astronomers. 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 Astrology is the zodiac. The zodiac. Yeah, they were astronomers. Yeah. So, and Stody- uh, Stargazer Point is the point that they used to draw the Pennsylvania-Maryland line, and that was on the Holmes farm, and a co-worker of mine mm-hmm. rented a little cottage there. So as I, as I was telling the story, we pulled into the Cheslin Preserve from the Natural Land Trust, which is a, another wonderful nonprofit mm-hmm. organization. And it just happened to be that fa- the Cheslin pre- uh, Preserve is the old Holmes farm that they preserved. We're at Stargazer mm-hmm. Point. But from where we launched for tubing, it was all helianthus. The the, the creek banks were yeah. Lobelia syphilitica and helianthus, and it was just phenomenal to see that much bloom all along the water. Mm-hmm. It was – you know, if, if you're not familiar, like the Brandywine Valley of, of that southern southeast part of Pennsylvania is all rolling hills. It's just mm-hmm. beautiful. So if, if you live close to that area, especially in the fall, go see it because it's 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 a beautiful – there's there's a reason why artists like the Wyeth family or uh, George Weymouth kind of 
took up shop and 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 lived there and painted there because mm-hmm. it's it's very scenic. So and there's a lot yeah, to do there definitely. too. Definitely. So. Moving on. Yes. We, we already got sidetracked. Wow. Right? Are we keeping it to an hour today? <laughs> oh, we're going to try. All right. So All right. moving on, we're going to get into this week's botany-based uh, competition of current events. How's that for alliteration? There you go. So, and uh, and I already said, it's a competition. And it we is. had a vote last week. We did. Well, first, got to play the theme music. <laughs> you can do with this. All right. So we did have a vote last week, and the winner is me. Me. We actually had a winner, not a tie this week. Uh, a lot of votes. It was close. It was 14 to 10. Um, at least the last time I checked it was. I don't know if any more votes uh, came in. You, well, you th- you actually had a lower number in there. I just updated it right before when I was oh. adding my stuff in. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, it, was... so, it, but it, it was close, and that's oh, a lot yeah. of votes. Um, you know, And I will say I feel like this is the first outright win that I've had. Like I had a win based on a tie. Mm-hmm. It's the first time I beat you in quite a while, like yeah. probably like six weeks, five and or six it, weeks. I would say uh, – so my article was was um, by Margaret Roach. It was in the New York yes. Times on uh, on how your gardens don't just need to be pretty. They need to be ecologically sound. Yes. And uh, being on the New York Times, and they're, they are very greedy at the New York Times. They want your money. <laughs> they, they want to read their they articles. They do. There's, there's ways to get around the paywall, but um, – uh, depending on what device you use, but I think a lot of people ran into that paywall and just never read my article. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I and that's the one downfall of, of yeah. some of these articles is that but you no, don't you, have access. You still had a good article, and uh, and it was all about solar panels and how they're taking up. No, that was actually oh, that was two, two ago. ago. This one was the amount of invasive plants still available through mm. that's online right, that's retailers right. and garden centers, yeah. which you know is an eye opener because we talk about invasives all the time, and we talk about how to control them. And that's a prime example that we're 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 doing all the damage control mm-hmm. instead of yeah, fixing instead of, it up front. Yeah, yeah. It's uh yeah, if you had a leak instead of instead of fixing where the water damage is, you gotta fix fix where the actual leak is coming from. Yeah, and or you're just gonna keep getting water damage. Exactly. Again. And that's so. the problem and it and it it's not just you know, we I, I tend to vilify like the the big box stores and mm-hmm. and things like that, but it's not just them because they're not growing it; yeah. they're just buying yep. it and selling it. And obviously, they have people that buy it, and there's people that grow it and justify mm-hmm. growing it. So, um, you know, a lot of people think that the science behind that they're invasive is a conspiracy theory. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, oh yeah. You know, unfortunately, and it's you know, it's it's just bringing awareness to everyone. If 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 people just stop buying it, the the problem would go away. Mm-hmm. And that's and, and really, it's just people don't know that it's an issue. And even when they do know it's an issue, they don't think it's as big an issue as it is. Yeah. And uh, and it really doesn't take much to see how big of an issue it is. But we just don't, as a as a population, we don't go to our natural places anymore and see how it's an issue. We don't go, th- and when we do, we don't recognize those plants there. We kind of have just have plant blindness overall. Most people do. Where they're going into a park and they aren't seeing all the Japanese barbary burning bush no. because it's they're in a park. It's a it's a natural place, so these must all be good things. And now is the time of the year that you can really some of this stuff stands out, like Japanese knotweed. You can identify mm-hmm. quickly. Tree of Heaven, you know, it's and these areas are so overrun. And maybe those aren't items that you're buying in um, garden centers because they're wild, wildly known as invasive. But some of these other ones. They aren't affecting people in the same way, mm-hmm. so it's it's they're not considering it on the same level. Yeah. But yep. they are. So hopefully that just helps raise awareness. So I'm I'm happy that got votes. So 
I am going to choose to go first this week. Okay. Um, I like going first. I don't like going last. But my article this week is a short article, which typically works against me. And I'm actually going to read the entire article because it's not that that long of an article. Right. And it's it is not it it's it didn't come out in the last week or so. It came out like in the last couple months. So, mm-hmm. but I thought this was something that we mentioned before, and I want to comment it comment on it. And I believe. This bill is part of the reason you got involved in the NJNLA. Oh, yeah. It, yep. You know, in the first place. I'm just so, peeking ahead at what yeah. Fran's article is. And yeah, this was true. one of the, the hot issues that, that yeah. Tom chose to get involved, so we had a voice in this. So uh, the name of the article is um, Bateman Bill Creating Jersey Native Plants Program, Clear Senate, by John, Jonathan Azara, and it's from uh, www.tapinto.net. So uh, Senator Kip Bateman's legislation to establish the Jersey Native Plants Program to promote the sale of native vegetation at local garden centers has been approved by the New Jersey Senate. Shopping local is a great way to support the farms that make New Jersey the garden state, but we also need to encourage people to plant local, said Bateman. Uh, Planting Jersey native vegetation goes hand in hand with our successful Jersey Fresh program. Together through the legislation, we can strengthen local farms, promote healthy eating, and help the environment. Bateman's bill, S-83, would create the New Jersey Native Plants Program in the Department of Agriculture. The program would promote the sale of plants that are native to the Garden State at local garden centers and nurseries. Similar to the Jersey Fresh Program and the Jersey Grown Initiative, this program would create a labeling system to identify native plants as Jersey natives. New Jersey has approximately 2,100 native plant species. 19 globally rare plants have their largest or most viable populations in the Garden State. Locally grown plants are already familiar with the unique climate and landscape of New Jersey at abatement. Native plants will flourish here and help our state's natural ecosystem thrive. Let's ensure New Jersey's indigenous plants continue to grow strong for generations to come. So on on one hand, I applaud this um, because it's going to allow proper labeling of what a native plant is, which is Mm -hmm. one of the complaints we hear all the time of things being misrepresentative, mislabeled. People will be able to see that this plant is in fact native to new jersey which is fantastic and it's going to encourage the sale of native plants Mm -hmm. i also applaud that what it doesn't go into and i could be wrong but if if memory serves me correct it has nothing to do with the provenance of the plant which we consider very important so someone could buy a liner from florida or a liner from oregon or a liner from texas and brought bring it in and shift mm-hmm. it up and pot it and say this is a new jersey native plant yeah and yep. you know we've already discussed like if you were to bring uh, a canadian redbud or american redbud from florida uh from a florida seed source and bring it up here you may not have the same success with overwintering and it's I think it's a misrepresent. It's a it's a great idea, but it's missing the mark, mm-hmm. um, and, and that that kind of makes me sad. Um, yeah, the the couple things that and I actually wrote to to Senator Bateman about that <laughs> when this yeah. came out, and um, but some of the things that we that I've looked at with this is even if it gets approved, where's the funding going to come from? The money to to do all this has to go from come from someplace. Yeah. And then on top of it, who's going to make sure everyone's doing it the right way? Yes. It just kind of – there's no regulation or enforcement that it's happening the right way. These garden centers could just kind of take the material and put it wherever. 
Um, yeah. So I, it gets difficult. But the the biggest thing was was the the locally grown doesn't matter as much as local ecotype. Yes. And, and that was a, a big point. So and from the NLA, NJNLA's perspective, that's the New Jersey Nursery and Landscape Association, uh, we actually didn't support or or um, or uh, oppose this bill because it really didn't do much. If you look at it from a New Jersey nursery grower, yeah, uh, yeah, it, it would help Pinelands Nursery, but it didn't help the the overall New Jersey nursery uh, association in any way. It didn't help New Jersey nurseries because they're getting plants from all over. And how the bill was being written, a garden center could bring plants in from Maryland or, or yeah. Florida or wherever, and but it was native to New Jersey, so they could market that way. So it wasn't necessarily supporting New Jersey nurseries. It was supporting... Native plants. Native plants, which is good. Yeah, it's but it's, it's you know it's here's the thing. I love that plants are being marketed and it's bringing awareness. These are plants native to New Jersey, and mm -hmm. and we we talked about how to combat some of this. You know, how do you combat the sale and marketing arm of cultivars by throwing mm -hmm. marketing money behind the native plants? And and here you have it on, on a state level, which is wonderful, but. If you get something that's brought in from another part of the country and you have no success with it, then you're souring that mm -hmm. that experience. Not only that, New Jersey is diverse as far as land. Yeah, it's mainly coastal plain, but there are plants that – or there are areas that are Piedmont or rocky or upland or highland compared to lowlands and marsh and just because – a plant is native to New Jersey, and, and we talked about we talked about this on Backyard Ecology. When you look at the Bonap maps, it may be native to New Jersey in one mm -hmm. county, and it's pretty specific. And doesn't mean that you're going to have success with that plant yeah. if you if you're planting it down in Cape May compared to if you're planting it up in Mawa. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a huge difference in in climate and and topography and soil type and hydrology, and it's just. You know, maybe I'm overthinking it. Maybe I'm making it worse by knowing and too much. <laughs> it is a tough, tough thing because it's yeah. like you don't want to let perfect get in the way of good. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's overall, it's a good bill. It is a step. It is. I wish it was a bigger step, but it's a step, and that's as much as I can ask for right now. Benjamin Vogt had a, a great line on his LinkedIn the other day. Maybe it was his Facebook. I can't remember, but it was saying how he's going to keep pushing for straight species native plants yeah. because. And he realizes that's never going to be realistic. Yeah. There, no, there's not going to be a situation where every home on your street has no lawn and it's all just straight species native yeah. plants that are local ecotype too. But if that's the goal, it's kind of that that backwards uh, backwards saying like shoot for the moon and you'll land amongst yeah. stars, which doesn't make any yeah. sense when you actually think about yeah. it. But it's that kind of thing. You're shooting for for a really really high goal, and even if you make it. 25% of the way there, you're so much better off than where you were. Yeah. Where if you just settle for that 25%, then maybe you're only going to make it 10%. You know, so. I and I think we we say the same thing in a different way. Like we we preach inclusivity and saying, you know, let everyone gain access at their own pace mm -hmm. and start where they need to start and let things be gateways into the further things. But we always kind of preface by saying, in a perfect world, we would love it all to be local ecotypes, tree mm -hmm. species, because yeah. that's what would be the best. And hopefully, everyone starts off somewhere and works towards that goal. Mm -hmm. Like that's my goal, not to just get someone to plant a cultivar to get them liking native plants, so that 
I want it so that they see what that goal is and and start to work towards that goal at some point. Like I would love that. So this is a start, and it's it's bringing awareness to native plants. It's bringing awareness to native plants in a way that hasn't happened. And I'm happy for good labeling yeah. and, and oh, yeah. people to know what's just to have that marketing in, especially that it's coming from the state. Yeah. Um, but have that marketing in garden centers is a huge, huge step. Eventually, it'll get there with everything else. And, I'm confident in that. But and, and maybe the reasonings are different. You know, I I'm sure they want these native plants to help with the ecology, but I'm sure that a lot of this is business based. Mm-hmm. The decision on that, and it's a misunderstanding. It's just a misunderstanding of what the true goal is. And I think sometimes you have to make compromises. And if it's based on business, then I'll I'll take it. I'll take it. I'm not really complaining. I just wish it was different. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, I I completely get it. And I I feel the same way. Not that I'm one to complain. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's a good article. And I was when I peeked ahead, I was glad to see that you had that on there because that was what – one of the things that got me involved with NJNLA, and this is one of the things we, I don't want to spoil too much of backyard ecology, but yeah. that's one of the things we talked about is you need to have, you can't just complain about the decisions that are being made if you don't lend your voice to that decision. And, and, and let's, let's be honest, what our mission is as a nursery represents less than 1% of the nurseries oh, in New Jersey. In New Jersey. Yeah. I mean, we're like, yeah. you know, as far as wholesale nurseries, we're one of the, the only ones. So, yeah. So what we're doing and, – and I – listen, I'm not even looking at it from a standpoint that, oh, this is going to spur other people to grow native plants. You know what? That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. There is so much of a need and so many other markets within this market. There's not enough of it. If someone wanted mm-hmm. to take the lead and grow native plants to supply to garden centers, which isn't something that we really do. So if someone started doing this in, in other yeah. ways and, and our listeners who are complaining that they can't get native plants can mm-hmm. get native plants, man, that's fantastic. Yep. That's that's mm-hmm. a that's a fantastic thing. So um, it, it's just that I hope it evolves over time. Yes. I yeah. guess is, is what – it's a good first step. Yeah, exactly. So. I think it opens the door and now it's up to us to make sure that door isn't just left cracked. It opens all the way. Yeah, and, and hopefully this helps – you know, one of the things I do complain about, like, and I kind of backed off a little bit earlier when I was talking about big box stores. Mm-hmm. I do believe that big box stores kind of killed a lot of the mom and pop mm-hmm. garden center business that existed in in our space. And some of those were generational businesses yeah. that had hands-on knowledge with, with natives and things more local to you mm-hmm. that could help you better than a chain. And I think a lot of that has died. This might just help bring that. You know, mm-hmm. I love the knowledge base. Like I would much rather gear you towards a smaller garden center that's giving you the right message across the board. When you go in, you know their stance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what their approach is and that they're going to give you the right advice and the right plants for what you're doing based mm-hmm. on where you live. I am hoping this takes that and grows that. Yeah, that definitely. would be a wonderful thing. That would be. A, did I just get too preachy? Uh, you may have. Wow. You may have just touched that that line. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that doesn't happen often. All right. What do you got, Tom? So uh, I went right back to the well. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I found a, another New York Times article, also written by Margaret Roach. So Margaret, if you're listening, I owe you lunch. Yeah. This is. I've is used one of her row. articles yeah. as well. She writes so. great stuff. She and does. I'm I'm shocked. 
and I, I don't know enough about Margaret Roach. Other than that, I know she writes with the New York Times yeah. a lot of gardening stuff and has her own gardening podcast. Yeah. I've listened to it a handful of times, but not in, in quite some time. But she's yeah. just touching, just keeps touching on native plants the last couple she, articles I've read, and I'm, I'm loving it. She has a platform, and she's bringing yeah. awareness, yep, and exactly. that is a wonderful thing. So, uh, And uh, this one actually kind of leads into our later discussion topic, yes. and, um, and this article, contrary to Fran's, where his was a, a couple months old, this one literally came out uh, the day that we're recording this, which is, is September 1st. Yeah, wow. <laughs> so this came All out right. at 8 a.m. this morning. <laughs> and uh, again, going back to ben, Benjamin Vogt, I saw he put it up on, on uh, I can't remember if it was LinkedIn or Facebook. He probably put it on both. Yeah. But um, I saw it, and I'm like, ooh, I just found my article for today. And uh, and getting into it, I'll read a couple sections that I'll give my feedback on as well. And it's uh, it's called Why You Should Do Your Spring Planting in the Fall. And uh, it starts out, Gardening is not so much about following rules, says Rebecca McMahon, uh, as it is following the rules of observation. For Ms. McMahon, the director of horticulture at the 85-acre Brooklyn Bridge Park, which is an awesome park if you yeah. if you haven't been and you're in New, like New York City or that area, it's worth the trip to see it because yeah. what they're doing there is really, really unique. And it had a, a great, um, a really well-renowned uh, landscape architect firm that designed yeah. it all. So, uh, and going to that, so Brooklyn Bridge Park, that keeps... Uh, that we actually means, supplied a good amount of plant material yeah, for that project. Yeah. So that means keeping in mind goals that will support wildlife in the garden and the greater ecology. Rather than following the common practice of planting and transplanting in the spring, for instance, she suggests, shift, suggests shifting virtually all of that activity to autumn and not cutting back most perennials, perennials as season, the season winds down. Before you act, she said, you should question why a task is necessary and if you really need to do it at all. Um, why do we do fall cutbacks, she asked, considering the park's 16 acres of beds, and realized she had no satisfactory answer. Why do we plant so much in the spring, and why do we hear so much about the, the ample spacing and airflow around plants when, if you look at the meadow, that's not what you see plants doing? So, basically what it came down to, and this is a, that's just a small, small snippet of the article, um, but what it came down to, and this is something I really agree with, is they found... Uh, or actually, the, I'll start off with the example they used. They had uh, they got a delivery of plants that they were going to plant in the spring, and even as they're unboxing the plants, they have these butterflies coming and like landing on the plants and laying eggs. And they're like, "This is awesome! We're what a what a testament to how great native plants are." Yeah. That the, is like we're opening the box of native plants from the from the supplier, and there's butterflies landing on them before we can even take them out of the box and laying eggs on it. Have this like this the real dream of if you plant it, they will come. Yeah. It's happening before we even planted it. <laughs> and then they planted them and found oh the caterpillars that hatched ate everything on the plants uh, before anything else really greened up and they could move on to anything else. And the plants weren't big enough. And, uh, and all the caterpillars really didn't have enough food to make it to their, their metamorphosis and turn into butterflies. And a lot of them, probably most of them died. And so that was kind of like a signal saying, hey, if we planted these the previous, well, actually, going back to their example, they're, they were doing a trial with those plants and they were doing the actual planting in the fall. So, well, when they plant in the fall, there's no butterflies that are laying eggs on those plants then. So, but the next year, those butterflies came in and laid laid eggs on those plants. But now they have more robust root systems, and they're bigger. And there was ample food for all those caterpillars to eat. So that was kind of like a signal saying, "Oh, if we do this in the fall instead of the spring, now we have plenty of food for the caterpillars for the next year." Yeah, we might be missing out on that 
spring season, but you're going to get, uh, I like to say you're cutting a year off that plant's life cycle because that first spring, it's going to be that much bigger and that much, it's going to have that much better of a root system. You're that much closer to flowering if it's something that takes a couple years to, to flower. So it's, um, and on top of that, you don't have nearly as much maintenance that goes into it because you aren't having the water, you aren't having to, because it's not too hot, you're not stressing that plant out and you aren't going to have nearly as much loss because of when you're planting because the environment just kind of takes over until it's time for it to, to go dormant. So um, the all other thing was if you look back at all these horticultural practices, they a lot of them come from England and uh, prior to colonization. And England, if, if anyone was paying attention to history class, had kind of colonized much of the globe uh, throughout its, its period as an empire and had plants from really all over the world. So English gardening really was dictated by how do we grow these plants that aren't supposed to be here and make them look awesome <laughs> so it was a lot of pruning a lot of like a lot of deadheading a lot of these processes that when you look at native plants they don't need but we still even though we're using native gardens we're still doing them just because you're supposed to do plant in the spring you're supposed to clean up in the fall you're supposed to rake your leaves you're supposed to do all these things that's just kind of what's ingrained in us but when you really ask why am i doing this there, there really isn't a reason the yeah. the reasoning is not good so they were even saying they're they're cutting down stuff down instead of cutting into the fall and trimming it back they're cutting in the spring um they're cutting things in six six inch sections instead of really just cutting the whole thing out they're cutting six inch sections and then actually leave a lot of those sections on the ground around the plants because as we've talked about here before a lot of your insects will either overwinter or even lay nests in the dead stems that are hollow so if you take it away and you put it in a mulch, mulch pile, well, when that thing emerges from that stem, where's it going to go? There's, yeah. there's nothing for it there. But if it naturally emerges from the ground layer, like would happen in nature, if you had a meadow and then through the snow and the those stems would kind of get broken snapped and, and broken snap, off yeah. and they're going to end up on the ground, well, you're just kind of replicating that through a man-made process and you're still making the, the garden look um, socially acceptable, I guess yeah. is the way to put it. So, And then on top of that, it's just horticulture has kind of been trained to or wholesale horticulture has kind of been trained to that schedule as well hey we need to have our plants ready by by may 1st or we're not going to sell them yeah and that's when people want to buy so it's really a whole culture change change that needs to shift and uh, and i think you're actually seeing some of that just earlier today i got an email saying hey here's why you should be planting in the fall this article comes yeah. out september 1st saying here's why you should be planting in the fall so well, uh, and we're also going to be telling you yeah, <laughs> why well, you should be planting well, in the fall. I, I think part of the issue, as far, especially with nurseries, um, they give you mixed signals. So yes, uh, yeah. the, the New Jersey Nursery Landscape Association going back probably, wow, um, 30 years ago, mm -hmm. kicked off a whole fall is for planting yeah. marketing. Yep. You know, the thing is people viewed it as marketing because you're telling people fall mm -hmm. is for planting, but then you have all these nurseries specialing out all their plant material in the fall because they don't want to overwinter it mm -hmm. uh, or the shelf life is getting long. So like you're telling me you're planting, but you're clear, you're putting everything on clearance. Yes. Now's the time to yeah. do it, but you're getting rid of everything. Yeah. So this doesn't mm – -hmm. you know, people aren't stupid. You know, it just – it was a mixed message mm -hmm. I think in a lot of things. You're, you're telling people one thing and you're doing something else, and I think – that's part of it but realistically it's more than just marketing it's the truth fall really is for planting oh, and we're yeah. going to tell you why yeah. um but it's 
it's one of those things that really isn't just a marketing technique to get plants out the door in the fall. It's really a wonderful time to plant. Mm-hmm. So this, I think this article is perfect timing as well. I think it's funny that it matches up with what our topic was going to be today as well. Definitely. Definitely. So, and that's a, a mere coincidence because I yeah. saw this article like 15 minutes after we said, yeah. oh yeah, this yeah. is going to be our topic for today. So, so no, perfect. That's a fantastic article. Tom. Yeah. So I, I will, uh, I will just tell all our voters that even if you can't get in, it's demanding that you pay them for the article. Just know the article is really fantastic, and, <laughs> and it's, it's worthy of your vote. Listen, so. <laughs> now that now that I got a, a win under my belt, I'm okay. You know, you know, this is yeah. a, a great article, and it it's 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 perfect because it's true. Yeah, and it's bringing yeah. great awareness to something that is. In the pictures, even just the fir- first picture, they have a, a meadow full of Heliopsis helianthoides. That's a false sunflower, oxeye sunflower is yeah. some of the common names, and it's like. That's what my garden. I want my garden to look like, and it kind of does. In, yeah. in a, now that it's a couple years old, it kind of yeah. starting to look that way. Yeah. But um, it's like, oh wow, that's really really beautiful how that looks at that snippet in time. Yeah. Um, so, uh, no, it's and also like be persistent because it took me like six tries before the article actually opened. It just yeah. I don't know what it was. I tried it on my phone, tried it on the computer. Tried in a different browser. Tried oh, on, then yeah. it opened. Yeah, so. tried on a few different ways. It's worth. Yeah. I think. Can you sign up and read a couple articles? I think for you free? can. A lot of I times think, you can read a couple for free. Free, but so, I've, I've definitely abused that. I have so. as well. I have as well. So, uh, two great articles. So we'll have it posted by the time you hear this. It should be posted on yeah. our in our uh, Facebook group. Uh, go ahead yeah. and vote, whether it's for me or whether for Tom. Two great yeah. articles. I should even make an appeal to the New York Times and say if you were to put more native plant articles in your your paper you would maybe i'd pay for it yeah maybe, maybe i'd be get more subscribers yeah, I'll, I'll pay that dollar a week and, <laughs> and subscribe we keep pushing people towards <laughs> them and they're they're keeping them away so <laughs> we're, we're trying to help them out a little bit so yeah make sure you go head over to the uh native plants healthy planet facebook group if you're not a member become a member uh and vote for tom and i because and of course the choice is yours so you ready to do uh, listener shout out? Yeah. You want to do yeah, some? but yes. I am going to interject here real quick. Yes. What do you got? Because I feel like people don't always listen to us at the end, and uh, and that's when we say some of the most important stuff. Like make sure you subscribe to our podcast. <laughs> so we're going to give you a chance right now to to we're going to pause. Yes. For five ten seconds, really as long yes. as you need. We'll we'll be here when you come back. Yeah. So hit pause, go and subscribe, leave her a five star review. Yeah. And and uh, really make it just like a really glowing write-up. That would be fantastic. And I will guarantee you, if you do that, I will use you as my listener shout-out next week. Wow. Next that is uh... – <laughs> That's so. I that hope I have a list bribery like, at his, yeah, at his yeah, best. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, and and we have been getting five star reviews, and I want to thank everyone for who's been giving us five star reviews, and it it helps in more ways than you realize, yeah. just because it helps spread the message, and it it moves us mm-hmm. a little higher on the list when when someone's yeah, searching when nature some, podcast, exactly. we'll show up a little bit higher. So. You know, sometimes if you're you're down a couple scrolls, maybe they don't make it that far before they find something that they want to listen to. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it helps us get up there a little bit. And and uh, unfortunately, it's one of those machines that needs to keep being fed. Yep. <laughs> you know, you, yeah. you constantly need to get more reviews and more subscribers to keep keep that high on the list. So 
even though our list you know i have to thank everyone because our listens go up every month oh and it's um it's something that that is a delight to see but without the other two things it it kind of prevents you from going up yes so yeah so if you do that you you subscribe to our our account if you haven't already and uh and leave us a five-star review with an actual write-up i will give you a glowing personal comment or personal compliment Right here on our, wow. our little podcast during yeah. our listener shout out section, and, and leave something nice like Fran really lets the guests <laughs> talk, yeah. and he's and they're not that chatty at all. <laughs> all right. So, uh, oh we, yeah, we, you got to play the jingle. Yeah, let's let's play. Listener, listener, shout out, shout out. Shout so I'll go right into my listener shout out because right, she. There's, we get so in the group. We get so many fantastic articles posted. It's, and I, when it comes to the article uh, articles um, for this or that each week, I try not to post one that's online because I think a lot of people read them already, and yeah. I don't want to regurgitate what someone else found and and um, something that people have already looked into. But uh, and we get so many great pictures of of native plants put up there. There are people's own gardens, things that they've we've talked about on the podcast that. Then they go and post online and say, hey, look what I have in my garden. I have the plant you guys were yeah. just talking about, and it looks awesome, which is really, really rewarding. But we had one post, and I don't it might even be their only post, but it was so different from everyone else's, um, and I just had to compliment her. And it was uh, Medora Falkenberg put up a post saying how she got a Native Plants Healthy Planet t-shirt. I forget which one it was. I think it's a yeah. Plant Native Plants. Wore it out the first time and got a compliment. That is wonderful. Sure. I love hearing that. I saw yeah. that 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 post made me smile, and I think Medora has actually posted it one or two other times as well. My yeah, I'm <laughs> definitely paying attention. <laughs> to the group. But but that was you know because that's feedback we don't normally get. So yeah. it's nice hearing that. And that was the goal with those shirts. Was, yeah. Well, one of the goals was a way for us to give back, but the the auxiliary goal was, hey, we want people to wear these shirts in public places and. It helps spread the message. You're not going up to people and saying, "Hey, you should plant native plants." They're seeing it across your T-shirt, and uh, and that's just another way to to kind of spread that message and and do it in a fashionable way. So we, I know, speaking of the T-shirts, we're really close to that first yes. tier of making a do- donation. So let's make it a goal. I really want by the next Buzz episode, which is episode seventy-one, I want us to be able to announce that we hit that goal mm-hmm. and who we're. Uh, doing for the first round of donations. I, Tom and I have already kind of discussed behind the scenes who we'd like to see some money go to. Yes. So yep. we're excited to be able to make that announcement, and you can help us make that announcement by buying T-shirts and spreading the message. So what we got to be really close. We're very we're, close. We're, I, we're I, just a handful of yeah, T-shirts. It kinda, it's flatline like the last – less than a month but yeah uh probably three weeks or so it's yeah. just i don't think i don't know if anyone's bought a t-shirt the last three weeks but we're so close to hitting that first goal and that's our our, our goal for next time is to hit that goal so and we then can... we'll we'll announce who uh who we've kind of already decided who's going to get that that first that round of, of of donations and it's yeah. someone that we're really happy to be able to help and and donate money towards mm-hmm. and and it's not us it's everyone because all of you made it happen yep. so let's make this happen i want at this point at the next buzz i want to be able to say who we're donating money to mm-hmm. i think that's a good goal all right awesome so my I see. I, I actually remembered that I still have a yeah. listener <laughs> yeah. shout out. I didn't move on to the next next thing. So my uh, listener shout out goes to Chris Osterling, um, who called the other day uh, looking for availability, and it was something that 
we do grow, but we didn't have available. And it wasn't until after the fact that we discussed business that he mentioned, hey, I'm a, a listener of the podcast and I love the podcast. And I, you know, I, I didn't see it on your availability, but I just wanted to call and ask and, and see if we could mm-hmm. do business. So Chris is the owner of New Leaf Native Plants uh, Nursery in Michigan. So uh, mm-hmm. I love hearing that there's other native plant nurseries uh, all over the country. We know that, but you know, uh, that's yeah, one. Learn about new ones. Yeah, a new one in Michigan that that we weren't familiar with. So I really appreciate Chris giving us a call and and trying to do business with us and actually sharing that he's a listener of the podcast and he loves what we're doing. So Chris, we love what you're doing and uh, thank you for the the shout out. So so awesome. All right. What do you think? You you ready to move on? Yeah, to we we have some questions and right. uh, I'm not looking forward to one. <laughs> right, here we go. <laughs> I want to ask you a bunch of questions, and I want to have them answered immediately. It's a simple question. Um, no, I didn't hear you. What was your question? So it's the return of Saul. It's the return of Saul. It's been a while. It has been a long it's, time. It's, it's yeah. been a while, and, and I'm happy that Saul has checked in so we know what's going. I'm yeah, a little concerned. That makes one of us. He's, <laughs> he's very, very, like, mellow. So. He, may, he maybe found my recipe for uh, for prison black, cherry, <laughs> black cherry prison hooch. Out of <laughs> All right, so w- without further ado, let's hear what Saul has to say. First, hello, my native friends. It, it's your buddy, Saul. I want to thank uh, you, uh, Thomas, uh, Mr. English Muffin, for putting the word out on your face page uh, after I was injured in that drone accident <laughs> on my estate. And all your listeners in the radio land have been very kind to me so thank you um i consider you all my friends and and we are friends i remember once pam told me i was kind of like family to him and then he said like the manson family and that's that pam uh, with the humor at all times thomas i know you know that he's like the good humor man and and you you remember the good humor man uh, pam and thomas He, he had that scooter uh, with the bell and the big white refrigerator box on the back, and he would go zooming around with ice cream. And uh, Pam, uh, speaking of zooming around, do you remember riding bikes behind the DDT spray man? <laughs> Thomas, uh, back in the olden times, we had a spray truck in town that would drive crazy all over spraying the DDT, and we would jump on our bicycles on the Schwinn Stingray, and we would follow the spray around and breathe it in which is probably why none of us ever got a mosquito bite inside our lungs, uh, now that I think about that. Which, fellas, this brings me to my topic. Uh, perhaps you could help me. My estate has been plagued with the mosquitoes this year, and it's making me crazy. I was relaxing in my hammock, and I got bit so much I, I got all swole up. So I was wondering, are there some fragrant native plants that might repel? Uh, repel, what is the word? repel the mosquitoes like like kind of like a like an, a repellent and they could create a barrier or a fog like a spray truck did or also perhaps men they could attract beneficial birds and insects that would eat the mosquitoes now one thing i have taken as very uh serious is that i had my landscaper timmy two tums uh, came and put some circulating pumps in my big pond so the mosquitoes would not have the standing water to breed. And he drained my smaller ponds. And my friend, I think we're onto something. It is what we call the zero scaping. And we call it zero because the old ponds look like a big zero in the <laughs> lawn. You might want to look this up 
as a preventative measure. It's called zeroscaping. So, men, as always, I look forward to your uh, illuminations on this topic. And my name is Saul, uh, your friend. Thank you. Goodbye. Don't you, don't you agree? He was very, he very mellow. much more mellow. Uh, much more mellow. Much more he mellow. must it must yeah. be the medication. Yeah. But he's, <laughs> it sounds like he's on the right track. It it is. And and first of all, not to, before we we hit the topic, I you know growing up, I didn't have good humor men as as far as the ice cream truck that came mm. around my development. We had O'Boyles, which was more of a local. They had orange, white, and blue trucks. And then their factory burnt down, and that ended. But we had O'Boyles yeah. and Mister Softy, and the occasional Jack and Jill truck. And but, uh, and we didn't have ice cream trucks. No, the houses were way too far apart. There was <laughs> no one was coming down our, our quarter mile driveway to with an no. ice cream truck. You know, for, the, for the, us. the twenty two years I lived here, the ice cream truck came by my house twice, and that's just because he happened to be driving down the road and decided, like, what the heck, I'll I'll loop around. Mm-hmm. So my kids got the ice cream truck one time. In, in 22 years <laughs> so the other time they were too small to understand what was what was going yeah, on yeah, so yeah. but um no i i definitely think saul is onto something and I, i'm glad he mentioned the ddd truck and actually that's something i did as a kid too mm-hmm. that was you know you would see how long you could ride your bike and stay in the fog which <laughs> i'm so thankful you know that uh i was able to have healthy children and mm-hmm. and and i'm sitting here healthy today but you know, it, and mosquitoes are this year seems to be a really big problem. Yeah, it, it, yeah. more so than other years, and it's been a wet year, especially. And in our I was area. I was just remarking on it last night because um, one of the benefits that we've had living right next to a native plant nursery and then gardening a lot with native plants is you attract so many beneficial insects that the mosquitoes really aren't that much of an issue. But I was uh, I was out in the garden planting some more native plants right at dusk, and I was getting bit up. I'm like, oh, yeah. maybe maybe. <laughs> something's going on you know and the funny thing is i've actually seen less bats this year than normal Mm -hmm. which i don't know what is causing that but you know one of the things is how do you how do you treat for mosquitoes but not harm anything else and i there is no good answer Mm -hmm. for that at least not that i know of as far as if you're using a chemical if if you're spraying something to kill mosquitoes you're killing more than mosquitoes one of the i think we even talked about it with um with rick mccoy from mccoy yeah. horticultural and he might even i think he gave us the name of a what they use yeah for these kind of treatments but even if you're looking at um uh i, I love the signs that you see where it's like oh this was an organic lawn lawn sprite well it doesn't mean that it was good it yeah. just means it was, it was organic, organic compounds yeah but uh but but there are well, things that you can do and and saw was taking a lot of the right steps you want to eliminate standing water on your property because mm-hmm. that's where they like to breed so if you can eliminate standing water you can eliminate the breeding ground so uh aerating your ponds or or eliminating small ponds or puddles that that type of thing really goes a long way um you know if a lot of, you know especially in our area a lot of people have chickens if you have chickens mm-hmm. or hens yeah. um they can help control that problem but one thing as far as I guess mosquitoes are cognizant of scent, and they don't like heavy scents. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that's where the whole theory behind the citronella candles is. Yeah, and it, even if it's something that you don't smell, their their sense of smell is so much greater that they'll smell it. So, mm-hmm. um, we do know that they don't like the smell of mint, like mountain mint. Pycnanthemum mm-hmm. is something that if you had that, it should help. They don't like that, so that should keep them away. 
But as far as other natives, I'm not quite sure to be honest. But we do we I, I was able to find we we do know they don't like the smell of garlic. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's an all natural pot product. Uh, it's 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 Mama Nature. It's made by Mama Nature. It's Mama Nature mosquito juice. Mm-hmm. And it's I think it's basically just the scent of of garlic and cedar wood that you mm-hmm. spray around the property they actually work with the pollinator partnership that it yep. doesn't ha- harm pollinators not that we're making this a you know we're promoting a product but it's an all-natural product that should repel them but mm-hmm. not hurt any yeah. other insects because you need that ecology you need that food web you don't want to alter it by 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 killing the mosquitoes you're also killing your predators yes yeah. and that's not helping the situation either mm-hmm and uh, yeah, some of the other things that I've come across that work really well with uh, with mosquitoes is, um, or and this one actually works for a lot of different insects uh, or pest insects is uh, just having a fan. Uh, if you have like a backyard patio or something like that, if you just have a fan, like an oscillating fan, it doesn't even have to be fancy. Just kind of blowing air lightly back and forth. That does a really good job of keeping mosquitoes off of you. Like and and flies and, and everything because they can't really hold up to that breeze. Gotcha. Um, the other thing, and I don't know the science behind this, is uh, is a thing called a thermocell. Um, so I use it hunting, which is uh, and I've seen it work firsthand where I'll be getting really eaten up, and I was like, oh yeah, I have this thermocell. Let me fire it up, and it's a little uh, butane heat pad, and. So it's a you use it like you light it up like a, a grill basically, and just has like a little little heating element that then heats this pad and then you have like a citronella scented wafer that goes on it, and it says the they advertise and say it'll keep mosquitoes and and insects like 15 feet away from you, and just kind of repels them. I know like I know, and what I've observed is. I'll be have like ten or so are all around me, and I'll turn the thing on. Within five minutes, I'll have maybe one or two that is near me. So I it seems one. it seems to work pretty well when I've used it. But I, I have no idea how, if it's harmful or not. <laughs> I I own one. I yeah. just bought it. Yeah. Um, and I got it. Uh, it, it wasn't expensive. It was like twenty dollars. No, no, and it's, it, it's it had twenty four like hours razors worth. where the refills get you. Yeah, right. it was like twenty four hours worth of butane and three mm. of the. The heating elements, yeah. Um, yeah. and I think the refills are like ten bucks. So yeah. it's really that's where they get you. So it's it's good for twenty four hours. But I agree, it's, you just have to remember to to turn it on, mm-hmm. uh, and it keeps everything within. Yeah, yeah it's a, and that like was a my my feet. issue. Like I'd I'd be sitting in a swamp looking for deer, and I'm <laughs> getting eaten alive, and I'm like, oh yeah, I have this thing that's supposed to keep mosquitoes away, <laughs> and then I then I turn it on yeah. for the last like 10 minutes I was there. Yeah. But, you might but get, I've like, been a there without it, and it's brutal when you don't have it. So. Yeah. So it's, you know, those are things you can do. Um, you know, really standing waters, if you can take away the breeding, that's that's going yeah. to be your best bet, and then and then go from there. So I had an idea for another contest. Oh, but what do you I'm got? torn on whether I should say it right now. I'm gonna, I'll say it right now, and if we decide we want to do it later, we'll cut this part out. I'm making more right. work for Fran if, if right. we don't want to do it. I'm not cutting it out. But <laughs> I, a lot of – so I'm sure a lot of people wonder what Saul looks like. Oh, and uh, yeah. and frankly, I've I've met him a handful of times, but every yeah. time I met him, he's wearing a ski mask because he's a, kind of that <laughs> kind of guy. He's, he's so, an interesting guy. <laughs> so yeah. I don't even really know what he, he looks like. He had he had very distinct eyes, but uh, that yes. was really all I could tell. Yes. And um, so I was thinking maybe we should have a a picture contest. We didn't know. I know we have a lot of artists that listen. Yeah. So maybe we should have a contest, 
And you think of a prize while I'm saying this. All right. We have a contest where our listeners draw us a picture of what they think Saul looks like and, and send it to us. All right. And uh, for our viewing pleasure. And then we'll share what we think are the best ones. Okay. And eventually, we'll, if we want to do this, we'll pick one live on air that's our winner. And we're going right. to send them a... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Let's, yeah. we, we can do a shirt. Yeah. Um, did we do hats yet? Uh, did we like produce hats? Yeah. Yet? No, it's it's a bigger process. Okay. To, All right. So hats. let's do let's do a long sleeve shirt since yeah. we're we're yeah, we're, we're starting to head weather. towards autumn. Yeah. We'll do a long sleeve keep it native shirt um, for the winter. Yeah. So oh, yeah. you want to do it? Yeah. Why don't we just do it? Yeah. So so just to go over this one more time, you're listening at home. I'm sure you're wondering what Saul looks like. You have a, you probably have a picture in your head of what he looks like. Yes. I have a picture of what it, what he looks like yeah. in my head. I'm not going to say it because I want to influence anybody. Yes. But you probably have a picture of what he looks like. So if you're artistic, even if you're not artistic, even if you want your kids to do it, have draw a picture of what he looks like and uh, and send it to us. Why don't we – do you want us to pick or do you want to let Saul pick? Well, that might add another wrinkle. We'll decide on that later. How Someone about, will pick. How about we <laughs> each pick. pick one, yeah. and then we'll let Saul pick between the two. I like that. How's yeah. that? Okay. Yeah. All right. So, because uh, I can get Saul the two the two photos and have him pick his winner, and then he can call in and say who the winner is and yeah. why he chose the winner. All right. So one more time, what you're going to do is you, you have that picture of Saul in your head. You're going to take a pen or a pencil or paints. Uh, you can go Chalk, all Bob Ross crayon. on this. And, yeah. You're gonna you're gonna draw what you think Saul looks like. You're gonna send it to us. Yes. At info at nativeplantshealthyplant.com. Yes. That's our email address. Send it there. Uh, uh, just a screenshot or a picture of it, and then we're Fran and I are each gonna pick out our favorites. Yes. And then we're gonna send our favorites to Saul, and he's gonna say which one he likes the best, okay. or probably which one resembles him the most. I'm sure yeah. that's the one he'll like the best. All right. So. Awesome. Awesome. This is a great contest, yeah. and the winner will get a Keep It Native long sleeve shirt yeah. uh, just in time for, for fall. Oh, yeah. I like it. Yeah. I like it. That's a fantastic. Oh, this, I hope this doesn't flop. Someone's got to <laughs> send us well, a drawing. I, listen, I know that at least one of our listeners is an artist. Yeah. Oh, so, at least two. At least at two least are two. artists. Yeah. So that should at least give us – <laughs> one yeah. that we can and it doesn't pick. have to be professional like no. it literally you could just draw a little doodle and send it to us and, and that you may, got a chance Saul may so. actually look like a doodle yeah. <laughs> 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 alright we wait before we get too far off topic because we've already done an hour alright so we do have another question so let's okay yeah. alright here we go hi Fran and Tom this is Carolyn from New Jersey and I have a question for you about cultivars so I was listening to your episode um with Mount Cuba Center and about cultivars and pollinators. And in my house, I have um, Echinacea purpurea, the purple coneflower, but I also have two cultivars. I have the sombrero sangrita and the sombrero orange adobo, and uh, which is a, a red cultivar and an orange cultivar. And you know, not as many pollinators came to them, but when they made seed heads, birds did come and eat some of the seed heads. But I collected some of the seed heads and tried to germinate it at home. And I so I collected the, the purple coneflower, the straight species, and the cultivars. And I had lots of success with the native straight species germinating, but none of my cultivars germinated. 
And so that kind of got me thinking about that these seeds are probably sterile. And what are the impacts of sterile seeds for birds? So what makes them sterile? I don't know. They were fertilized. Um, and does that change the nutrient content for birds? And is that something else that we should be thinking about with cultivars, that it's not just about whether they attract pollinators, but um, if they are fertilized and they are sterile, if they're, I guess they can't really be fertilized if they're sterile, uh, how does that impact food availability for birds or mammals that feed on the seeds? Thanks so much. I think that's a great question. Oh, yeah. I, I really yeah, do. And, and, and Carolyn, thank you for calling in. That's Carolyn Clauber from the Sourland. And we have a, a great answer for you, Carolyn, and that is it depends. It depends. <laughs> you know, it, and one thing to remember is that even straight species native plants don't produce 100% viable seed mm -hmm. like our biggest seller, which is smooth cordgrass, maybe the germination percent may only be 20%. And that's know? even, that's stratified. It's stratified it's, it's in a good year. Yeah. So, you know, in, in nature, you're not always getting plants that produce, Carex pensilvanica really doesn't produce a viable seed. Mm -hmm. um, so in nature, you do have that. Not that they're sterile, they're just not producing a viable seed. So, um, you know, it does have its impacts as far as wildlife, but I don't know as far as nutritional value if it changes the nutritional value yeah and i haven't seen anything in regards to the nutritional value of the seed i have with there, there's very very like slight research into the nutritional value of some of these cultivars in fact we even talked about it with sam hoadley last yeah. week um you and he brought it up with uh the the hydrangeas yeah and how you have some that just don't produce like uh, the the nectaring part of the plant yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so so there is no nectar yeah and um but even i've know there's been some recent like like i said it's just barely scratching the surface of that but and sam even mentioned himself they would love to get into the the nutritional value but where do you even start yeah. and what kind of scientist do you need to do that kind of thing so and then to do it for that many species and then it changed it literally changes i was gonna say by the day it probably literally changes by the hour yeah. It's the amount of sun, like you think of a, a species like Tradescantia ohioensis, the Ohio spiderwort, which it is closed in the morning. It opens up, and then if it gets too high, it closes back up, yeah. and then it will eventually close at night too. So I'm sure there's it has different nutritional content throughout the day. So yeah, yeah. it's a and, very tricky question. And, and then when you're dealing with cultivars and not varieties, because varieties will produce seed that that will stay true to that variety, mm -hmm. but cultivars aren't being propagated from seed they're being propagated from tissue culture or division so some are sterile yeah. some are not sterile um but the ones that aren't sterile if you were to grow it from seed you're not going to get that cultivar it's going to revert back to the straight species yeah. it's it's yeah it's basically you're going from a clone to something that's sexually reproduced Produce, and you have yeah. two sets of genes in it yeah and yeah. that's what will cause it to revert yeah. sometimes because often what's making that that cultivar looks special is a a genetic uh, not mutation uh what's i can't think of the word basically it's genetically it just happened to line up and it got two two small bees on yeah. that one and it made it look that way yeah but once you you cross pollinate now you're looking at something where there's a really good chance it's not going to have those same characteristics and, and there is studies that 
cultivars that have been known to be sterile switch to being non-sterile. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I've said this before. It always makes me think of Jurassic Park when they're talking about the all the um, dinosaurs are supposed to be females, so they can't breed. Mm-hmm. But the DNA flip flop, and they're like, you know, nature always finds a way. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's the same thing. Like it could be a sterile cultivar, but down the road, that doesn't mean at some point it may not become unsterile. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, it's it depends. Like, it depends on the cultivar. You may have yeah. gotten a, a, a sterile cult, cultivar. Yeah. Or you have a cultivar and it's not attracting as many pollinators or the pollinators aren't hitting at the right times and it just didn't get fertilized. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of lot of different things that could happen there that... Well, what we do know from most of the research is that that straight species is always going to produce the, the larger number or most of the time produces the larger... Uh, number of pollinators that it attracts mm-hmm. you know and if, if if that's what you're trying to do you really want the stray species if you're really worried about pollinator attraction you mm-hmm. want to go with stray species i understand the attraction of of wanting to have some of these cultivars you're just you you may get some pollinator attraction but you're not going to get the, the same yeah. amount i think that's, yeah. that's I, like yeah. there's a few when you look at the mount cuba research and annie white's research and all this stuff there's a few cultivars that kind of stand out where they they surpass the the straight species but um again you bring in the question if you had a straight species local ecotype plant how it's gonna affect the entire from from the roots to the the tips how it's gonna affect that whole cycle because there's there's specific relationships that happen down in the roots. There's yeah. specific relationships that happen outside pollinators. Um, and that's where that whole rabbit discussion yeah. we got into is really interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so I hope I hope that helps. I know that doesn't completely answer your yeah. question, but hopefully it sheds a little bit of light as to where you were going. That was a fantastic question, oh, yeah. and I, I we can't thank you enough for calling in with that. Um, we should probably, because I'm looking at the time, we should probably <laughs> head into our topic, which Definitely. I don't think it's going to be no, because we too don't, we really already talked about it, and yeah. that is fall planting and, and why it's important. So I think for me, what I think of and what I tell a lot of our customers, because even our customers who are professionals ask this question, like what what is going to be my success rate mm-hmm. if I plant too late in the fall? So and the one one of the things that we always discuss is as a nursery. You're really not, and I'm not saying that everyone does this or there's not exceptions. You're really not overwintering things in heat because mm-hmm. that's you want things to go dormant. You want them to shut down. You want them to break dormancy with everything else so that they're hardened off in the early spring so they can withstand frost. You, you want them to break dormancy with everything else in nature. Um, so all we're doing is if you think about it, these plants are in flats or, or in containers and they're above ground on stone which is cold mm-hmm. in a cold frame house so it's just in a, a, a house with white mm-hmm. plastic over top and then in the heavy winter there might be a frost blanket thrown over it on on really extreme um, cold streaks um, and some things don't even go in a house they're just on stone with 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 frost blanket over top of it so yep. that's you know, and there is loss that way. So if you think about that, if you're planting something in the ground, even if it's dormant and it's not going to grow that year, the warmth of the ground is better <laughs> than mm. it being above ground in a plastic pot with yeah. a little bit yeah. of protection. So you, you figure, can there be loss? Yes, there's extreme conditions, um, but you're, you're really getting into the ground. If you get in an early enough before it goes dormant, you may get some root growth. You may get yeah. a little bit of establishment. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, that one of the biggest advantages is it's in the ground in the spring, and when it breaks dormancy, 
those roots are shooting right out into the soil instead mm-hmm. of the pot and y- y- you get a better kick like it's oh, yeah. it's it's getting the head start that it needs because it's breaking dormancy earlier and it's just shooting out it's yeah and that's the big thing to me is it's not only is it breaking dormancy earlier just because it's in the ground versus in a, a pot it's breaking dormancy earlier than you would probably plant it yeah um so that once that soil temperature it gets high enough which it, it differs from species to species some things it's it's literally like once it gets to like 33 it'll start to to grow um and other stuff it's in the 50s 60s even some well not in our area there's probably nothing that really kicks yeah. in when it hits 70s but maybe there is i'm not uh i'm not super trained in that realm but there's uh just certain like I well, I mentioned before. I went and planted a whole bunch of stuff last night. I just ordered it last week. Uh, stuff that we didn't grow at the Pinos Nursery, so I had to get it from elsewhere. And um, I've mentioned before, I'm missing a lot of the ground cover component yeah. to my my garden. That's not something we grow a lot of at Pinos Nursery, so I had to outsource it. And uh, <clears throat> got it in, started planting some stuff, and um, and I'm basically counting on that. Hey. It, well, we got an inch or so of rain come today through a tropical storm. Yeah. It's going to rain a couple times or, or at least once a week, probably for the rest of the year. And uh, and that stuff right now, it's the soil's warm enough, the daytime temperatures are hot enough, it's going to start to grow a little bit. And now instead of starting with a, a two-inch plug, I'm going to be having maybe a four-inch, like a quart pot size plant going into next year. And then, it, like I mentioned earlier, it's skipping that it's skipping a year in my mind it's like it's in the ground for six months longer but you're getting more out of it than if you were to plant that same plant in yeah, february it, it, or it, well it, march or april if, if you think about it in, in a nursery condition plants will start to go dormant earlier than in nature mm-hmm. so if you get them in the ground they're they're starting to slow down they need less at that point the conditions are typically cooler instead of the dead of summer you're getting cooler temps you're probably getting a little more rain or a little bit more moisture they're getting better they aren't getting stressed out yeah Uh, in in an ideal scenario there's probably you're still getting like a 90 degree day every once in a while in september and yeah that'll stress out your you can have a fall drought yes but but it's, it's not like august where you're getting them yeah. weekly and, it's, it's yeah and then once the, in a while and though. then the plant goes dormant you have to remember it has all this storm stored energy during its dormancy that it's going to push all this energy mm-hmm. and that's how it leaves out that's how it pushes root growth so think about it the the roots with all this stored energy energy are going to push out horizontally like they should or, or down if it's a taproot instead mm-hmm. of hitting a pot and starting to circle more uh, so you're really you have it in the ground before you have any of that issue all of its energy is going to to get it established in the spring so i i think personally i prefer to plant in the fall because then you have the winter dormancy Mm -hmm. then you have the spring which again is more more ideal conditions where you may have late frost or 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 things like that you can plant if you're worried about frost upheaval and plugs plant a little bit deeper just Mm -hmm. so you you can accommodate hey this may lift a little bit over the fall because it's dormant and it didn't get established you know, I'm going to plant it maybe an inch deeper than normal just because of a frost upheaval, um, you know, and just be cognizant of that type of thing. And then because to me, if you plant late spring and then you go, it's not really established. It's it's trying to get itself established. And yeah. then you hit like a summer, you get a week, 100 degree weather and drought. You're behind the eight yeah. ball as far as you're watering. basically you're going out there and hand watering. Yeah. And that's another I'm a very lazy gardener. So I'm if I'm going to plant stuff, well, I'm doing it now 
primarily because I don't have to, I can put it in the ground. I don't have to worry yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, where if I plant it, say I plant it in end of May or, or even in the end of June, and then you get it like a drought or a, a hot spring, I got to go out there and water it, or those things are done. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's why I like it. And we've talked about it with seed on on previous episodes too, yeah. where uh, you kind of again you get that. There's things that are going to germinate right away. Like Elemis virginicus is something that germinates very quickly. So uh, Rubecchia hearth is another species that germinates really easily. It's it's built to uh, the seed hits the ground and it's going to germinate fairly quickly, uh, naturally. So those kind of things will germinate really quick when you put down a seed mix. And there's things that like well, Asclepius, uh, the Asclepius species that need that cold moist stratification are a great example they're not going to come up right away. If you do a seed test on it, it comes up as 1% germination. Well, if you put it down in the middle, the end of September, uh, it's not going to come up right away. The Elemis and the Rebecca do, and some Echinacea might. But the next year, now it's gotten that cold, moist stratification in the ground, and it'll come up that next year. Where if I seeded it in, in April or May, it's not getting any of that cold, moist stratification in the ground. It's not going to come up that entire year until the following year. So that's the big advantage to fall seeding in my mind. And there's there's disadvantages too, but I think the advantages outweigh the disadvantages. Yeah. And that that goes for for live plants as well. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, so and I, it, and it's another thing I should another like caveat on that. It doesn't work for everything. Not there's there's no. things that you aren't going to be able to fall plant. So look at your individual plant list or what you want to plant and talk to your grower, whoever you're getting the plants from and say, "Hey, is it okay if I plant this now?" Typically what they're if they're willing to sell it to you now, yeah. it will yeah now yeah. the other things too are fall is ideal for bare root so mm. not everything can be harvested in the fall some things have to be harvested in the spring so you're st- or over the winter so they're being stored in cold storage and you're getting it in the mm. spring but if you can get bare root in the fall or even uh, herbaceous things like um um cape american beach grass a huge bare root plant because there's enough moisture in the in the sand mm. to sustain it um at that time of the year so uh bare root you can put it in and, and not worry about it get it established so if if you have less of a budget sometimes bare root is a cheaper alternative than than containerized plants or or plugs um so that's that's really you have to do it when it's dormant you can only do bare root after it drops its leaves and then you still have some fall mm-hmm. dig hazards where things don't like to be harvested in the fall but if it's something that can be harvested and you can get bare root that may save you a little bit of money when you're on a budget too Definitely. and that's that's to me again you're better off getting it in the fall while it's dormant than you are yeah. in the spring so and the reason we are telling you all this today is because it's the very beginning of september there is yes. plenty of time to go to your local garden center or nursery and get this stuff um in my mind the sooner you can do it starting now the better get your orders um, in. you don't want to be doing it in november because you're limiting that chance for for success yeah. there's there's very little chance things are going to yeah. establish if you plant them that late if well yeah. depending on where you are yeah. if you're planting them now oh yeah the, the temperature and soil is still warm enough and you're getting enough rain that things can really take off yeah sometimes fall lim- availability is limited so mm-hmm. you really need yeah. to plan ahead and get your orders yeah. in now if, if there's things that you really want because um you know, no one's producing new plants right now. Yep. It's it's exactly. a little late in the year, so get your orders in and uh, start planting and and have a successful fall planting season.
Um, all right, I have no complaints. I've complained enough already today. Oh yeah. So <laughs> like I have usual. no complaints, but yeah. we we I, do have. I have a book, but I'm gonna skip it okay. because we're already going really long. And this was right. more for a different topic, and I was like, ah, oh, it'd be a cool lead into our next buzz topic. I'm just gonna save it for the next. Buzz. All right, you know what? Let's save it for the next one because uh, I think this is a great uh, book and topic that you have. Yeah. So I might just kick it to the front of the next buzz. All right. That way, it's we, a, a good tie-in. You know, maybe it would be nice to. Uh, we we always do the same the same uh order segments yeah. in the same order it'd be nice to shake it up mess up my ocd a little bit get me on my toes yeah. <laughs> a little bit so all right you want to do a pod deck yeah let's all right, let's, let's do a quick one let's see what we got here um newbie mistakes in your industry i thought we did that one. did we do that one i don't know it's hard to remember uh you know what yeah, you know what we did. I, I have them, to. I have to deck the wrong, wrong side way. of the deck. Yeah, yeah, I do. Well, you know what we've done enough. It's hard to tell which side of the deck yeah. is the. Oh, yeah. All right. Top ten moments on the podcast. Ooh. You want to do top th- or top four? We can. We'll each do pick two. top as many as we can think. Of. All right. <laughs> think of. Um, I, I think for me, um, a, a great moment was having uh, Doctor Talamy on yeah, uh, yeah which you know that was one that i wasn't sure that we were going to accomplish and mm. um i thought we had a very good definitely, conversation definitely. with with dr talamy too and and he was mm. a great guest and i think we provided something that you weren't necessarily getting from his talks yeah so i was i thought that was a great moment for me yeah one of my favorite moments that i guess it didn't really happen on the podcast but with a podcast guest about the podcast was uh in my correspondence with sam drogi after his first episode, which was one of the very like first ten episodes, um, and I was emailing him just saying, "Hey, here's a link for so you can listen, and if you want to share it, that would be that would be great." And he said, "Oh yeah, I listened to the first couple minutes; it was really good, and then I stopped because you you know I lived it, <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought that was the best answer." For that, you know what? That is a great answer. Um, I'm trying to think. You know, I love. You know, I love the spontaneous phone calls from Saul Um, and some of the first couple like they're all good but I think it was like the second one I don't know if I laughed that hard at any (laughs) of his phone calls because it was so off the wall that I didn't even know how to respond and a lot of the times I kind of go through it beforehand but Tom doesn't always hear the Saul calls before they go live so a lot of it you're getting real reactions from us because we, we try not to ruin it but sometimes we just He's all over the place, and we need to be prepared for what mm-hmm. – what and, and regardless, I know some people question whether Saul is real or Saul isn't. There's no conversations with Saul. Saul calls in with his own agenda. It's not like we're feeding Saul ideas to lend to our topics. These are – his, Saul, yeah, is his, his phone, Saul is picking up the phone. Saul is picking up the phone, and calling in, and talking from the top of his head, and hanging up. <laughs> and there's no thought behind. Well, and I'm sure some, there's in some process along the way he's on hold. So. Y- y- yes, yes. So <laughs> there's no. Uh, as far as you know, some believe it's just a gag of the show. We're not. We're not in collaboration with Saul. Mm. This is yeah. Saul calling in when he feels like calling in and 
and yeah. sharing with us what's going on in yeah. that head. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another one of my my favorite moments was just the whole episode with uh, Southeast Southeastern Grassland Initiative and yeah. Dr. Dwayne Estes. It, I just every time I hear that man speak, I just feel so passionate about going out and and planting native plants or advocating for native plants. It's he just has such a presence and uh, and way about presenting yeah. what what his thoughts are that it's hard to walk and i've i know other people have said that as well where they just they're like man it makes me feel like i'm not doing enough and i need to get out there and start doing yeah so. he has that effect on people i i think for me a turning point on the podcast was when we had dr enrique sala on because at that point i think things changed as far as our approach goes mm-hmm. to the podcast yeah. when we started to discuss water and get deeper into the issues of ecology it kind of changed the direction of the podcast i think mm-hmm. from that yeah. that point yeah. on so i thought that was a great conversation that kind of went much deeper than we expected and went in turns that that we didn't expect and 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 brought us here so yeah. um that's that's a great moment and uh, another one for me was the episode with uh, Joe Cimelli. So, so selfishly, sometimes yeah. we'll reach out to people that may not be the um, the ideal fit for the podcast uh, because we think they have something to contribute to this conversation, and just, we're just fans of them as well. Yeah. And that was one for me where I'm just a, a big fan of his work and the media organization as a whole. And um, and I thought it was important as as an aux- as a like a group just kind of on the outskirts of native plants the native plant people are not all just plant people they like habitat and wildlife well that's a fisherman or people who like habitat and wildlife and maybe they don't have an appreciation for the plants that those the habitat is made up of yeah. and uh so i was interested to see his perspectives on the things that we were going to ask about because those are things we need to keep in mind when we're having these conversations and trying to get more people into native plants yeah is the people who that's an easy group to bring in so it's just to like i was a little starstruck in in my own little way because i'm like oh wow this is someone i watch on youtube and listen to like weekly and here he is talking to us (laughs) and um but i think it was a really good conversation as well i'm gonna just throw one more out there one one last one for me was having samuel thayer on oh yeah um you know because i kind of feel like he broke a barrier in in mm-hmm. how we talk about things and talk about historically and just what the significance is and sometimes those things are hard to talk about and you could kind of see like he he t- dipped his toe in the water to see how would we would react <laughs> yeah. and then he jumped in mm-hmm. in it with a cannonball and and I love that and and we went with it and and it was a great conversation those are conversations that need to be had um, yeah. So that I'll always look fondly back at that. Yeah, one. he's someone I'd love to talk to again, and yeah, I hope we we have the opportunity to talk to again. We got to find the right right uh, thing to to bring him back well, in. Hopefully, on. a rooted discussion. Oh, yeah, I think it definitely. would be good. But there, you know, honestly, when we prepare for these episodes, so many of them were like, "This is going to be good." And I got to tell you, probably eighty percent of them, when we're done, we're like, "Wow, I knew it was going to be good, but that was great." Yeah, you know, we oh, yeah. get excited when we behind the scenes when we end the zoom or we end the the phone call uh and we're like wow that was 
way mm-hmm. better than I expected. So it's hard picking out moments that really stand out because we get so pumped up after every episode. <laughs> yeah. You know, so but I think those are some great highlights. Yeah. If you haven't listened to any of those those episodes, go back and, mm-hmm. and, and sometimes those are ones I go back and re listen to. Mm-hmm. Just because they, you know, I'll be thinking about it and I need to just go back and revisit. I can't say I've done that because, you know, I lived it. <laughs> All right. We should probably wrap up. We're, we're <laughs> really, really close to an hour and a oh, half. Oh, yeah. So that that wraps it up. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of The Buzz. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Native Plants Healthy Planet presented by Pylons Nursery. Thank you, RJ Comer, for our Buzz theme music. We love it. RJ was kind enough to not just submit m- music, but kind of let us pick what we wanted mm-hmm. from his catalog. So we were really excited, uh, especially for our Buzz theme music, because it was something that we felt fit, yeah. really yeah. fit, not just cool music it, it felt what we were trying to accomplish uh so make sure you buy or stream rj's music on itunes spotify or wherever you consume your music follow us on twitter at pinelands nursery facebook at pinelands nursery nj instagram at pinelands nursery or native plants underscore healthy planet and youtube at pinelands nursery we've gotten a ton of great uh uh new subscribers for youtube tom puts up a ton a ton tom spends a lot of time producing new content for tom and melissa for for our youtube mm-hmm. channel so there are a ton of videos up there please check it out and and i think you'll be happy with some of the content you find on there there's all kinds of uh great videos and great information uh don't forget about the question and comment line we thank saul and carolyn for calling and you can call us at 215-346-6189 i will repeat that 215 215- Three four six six one eight nine. ask a question or leave a comment. Of course, we're going to play it on a future episode of The Buzz, and we'll answer it to the best of our abilities. And don't forget about the Native Plants Healthy Planet Facebook group. We're over 500 members strong, and uh, it just keeps getting better and better, so we'll keep the conversation going over there. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned before, we now have T-shirts, so you can go and find those T-shirts on our website, which is www.nativeplantshealthyplanet.com. Um, go on there. There's a banner at the top that says T-shirts here. Click on that, and it'll take you to the whole store. There's a few designs up there. There's still a couple that are racking around in my head that I just haven't. I've started to design, but haven't finished them and gotten them up. That one's um, going to be up by the end of September because we have the ability to get an approval on it. Yes. yes. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> We're excited about so, that. Um, but there's a couple other ones that I'm like, and I, someone actually just wrote in on Instagram as we're recording this and uh, said they had an idea for a shirt that they just shared with me. So oh, I'm going to awesome. work on that awesome. as well. So, um, yeah, and like we've mentioned before, all that money uh, that that is the profits from those shirts is going to organizations that we featured on the podcast. And the first one we're gonna be sending money to is happening uh, probably by the next episode. Yeah, I'd be on. disappointed if it wasn't by the next episode. I, I don't want to announce it in the next one with a guest, but yeah. the next buzz. Yeah, so, the next buzz. Yeah, so me. two episodes, and by episode yeah. seventy-one, we're announcing who's getting that money. So, uh, you can listen to the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast directly at our website, www.nativeplantshealthyplanet.com. Um, but also check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, really wherever you consume your podcasts. As I mentioned before, if you subscribe, leave a five-star review, and I, and I'll even add on, you got to share it with a friend, but I can't vouch that you did that or verify <laughs> that you did that. But uh, I'm going to list off all those people as my my listeners of the week. That's awesome. So. And if you and I'll give you a personal, like heartfelt compliment. Wow, in addition. that's that's one heck of an incentive there. <laughs> so, but all, if, when you do that, it really, really helps us out a lot. So, um, 
Oh, Fran, I was supposed to come up with a secret for today. Yeah, you have one? Oh, man, I, I didn't, I forgot about it. So, uh. I mean, I could always go. I, I just, my concern is there's a couple things that we have talked about that we said we should use for my secret. But then as I think about it, I'm like, are these things I should really talk about? <laughs> like, we talked about my tie to Winds of Change. Yeah. And I'm like, is that slandering yeah. someone? I don't yeah, know that it, I necessarily can, can talk um, about that. And then, like, I was even thinking the other day when we were talking about Three Punch Day. I'm like that's yeah. probably not something. Yeah, we could share I was going to say that's probably not. That's that's talk not about that's not one we could talk about online. But so no, I, I would say that um, I've I've publicly mentioned before I'm fairly purist with my own uh, self on how I garden with native plants, and I try and only use uh, straight species stuff, and it's primarily because I have the access to it. But uh, I've slowly been well convincing myself it's okay to bring in some stuff that's not quite native here or to use some cultivars. And I took the jump uh, the other day because I had a, a retail customer who I'm, I'm really good friends with, and they asked for a particular plant that we didn't grow. And I said, you know what? I kind of want that plant too, so I'll buy some, and then I'll use some for me, but I'll also give, give you some. So, um, And what's the plant? Uh, Chiarella cordifolia. And uh, brandy wine is the one cultivar, and then um, – uh, there was another cultivar I got too. I you know remember. what? I, I got them from North Creek Nursery, and they came uh, just yesterday, and they looked fantastic. I know some of the folks from North Creek listen, so compliments to you guys for how well packaged they were, and uh, and also how great the plants looked. And I shouldn't leave all these people who now say, "Oh, you got plants from North Creek, and they don't sell retail." If you do want North Creek plants, you can go on Izel Native Plants, yeah, uh, which is another website, and they will sell north creek plants to you through them so i will share that i have tiarella cordifolia running tapestry yeah. at, at my house that i i did purchase from sunset farmstead so yeah. uh and that's one you know i have and i would have gone to sunset farmstead if i only had a small area yeah. i had a huge area so i was getting like 72s but you stuff. know i have um when i lived in delaware that was a native plant i had at my house straight tiarella yeah. cordifolia and and it was more native towards that area mm. and um you know, I, I just, I love that plant, it, you know, so it's, I had to incorporate it and I had a perfect spot for it as well. And yeah. it's thriving. It's doing very well. It's been there for over a year now. So yeah. I'm happy. About but that. no, I had, I have one particular customer who just does a ton of business with me every year. And I'm like, ah, it's something I want too. So I'll, I'll do it. And yeah. it was just, if, I, if it wasn't for them, I probably wouldn't have taken the leap and done it myself. Oh, <laughs> but, nice. Yeah. All so right, that's well, my secret. You don't have to be as pure to straight species locally type it's ever hold everyone to to their own standard don't don't bash anyone because they aren't doing it the way you want them to no we um, all have just our encourage them to keep coming along so now i have to come up with a secret for the next one yeah. now i have to man yeah. i got nothing <laughs> i got nothing but so <laughs> that's that, a great one tom yeah thank you everyone i'm tom and i am fran thank you again everyone for joining us uh we'll see you next week for it's we i don't know we we're still hammering episode it out episode 70 and yeah. i yeah there's two people who i'm picking between so. it's not going to be a rooted discussion it's going to be no. a meet the guest no. so we're just trying to, to figure out which one it's going to be so uh, we'll see you then uh, for that next week. Until then, keep it native.
Thank you for listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planted Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Remember to like, share, follow, and comment.